Hello, she lives. This is Haley Crusher Kane, and you are listening to episode 25 of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. And I am currently wearing an Aztec mud facial mask, which I think is an ingenious way to keep me from rambling because as I go on and on, this mask is tightening on my face, causing me pain. So I'm not going to ramble too long, although I feel like it's been quite a while since we've chatted. Um, The last episode was in January. It is now March, uh, almost April. Uh, What happened since then? Well, I'll tell you. I went to Berlin, visited my sister for New Year's. It was absolutely insane. Um, I almost basically got hit by crazy fireworks on a, uh, a roof. Anyone who's spent any time in Berlin for the holiday of New Year's Eve knows it's a lot like a war zone. We actually saw an adjacent apartment building light on fire because a drunk person on the roof um our rooftop actually that we did not know but was part of our our rooftop party shot a giant firework into another apartment building it was absolutely crazy other than that i spent christmas over there went to the czech republic to prague which was a super interesting experience i pretty much have done every christmas market experience that i could do with my lovely sister chakra who lives over there it was a blast probably one of the all-time family trip experiences of my life and that will go for another podcast because I got things to say about that trip um what else I wrote a a thing for bust magazine on my favorite band fatty cakes and the puff pastries as you know I'm a big fan of them and they were on a recent podcast of the show um the band Haley and the Crushers uh, is working on a new album. We just recorded some new songs. Uh, we did a four-day little mini tour with Dirty um, Limbs to Fresno, Sonora, Merced, and then did an uh, Albany show. And I have to just tell you a couple things that happened because it was insane. Um, in fact, uh, for all of my little tours that I do, I do a... Um, a tour bingo where I'll make like a list of things that I want to see and cross them off. Like for this one, because it was like the California Valley, it was a Sonic burger, a cow laying down, um, an off duty insane clown posse juggalo things like that. I might post that actually over on my blog is your boyfriend in the band. If anyone wants to see that, um, anyhow, Oh yeah. I have to tell you about this. So this was such a weird, weird adventure. It was super fun because when you go to some of these small towns, People are just excited and they don't have a lot going on in, ter- in terms of music coming through. I mean, obviously bands tour, but it's just, I think people are very appreciative to see like DIY and punk bands come through town. And we had a really great crowd. And I have to say a big shout out to the Fatty Cakes gals for coming out and supporting us in Fresno. Um, so what happened? Um, <laughs> the funniest thing happened when we were in Sonora Um, So the show venue got canceled um, because uh, the venue had actually closed down. The Winter's Tavern in Sonora closed down. So we scrambled and Dirty Limbs secured another venue at a place called The Game Room in Sonora, which is basically like a game headquarters where you could play like video games and like air hockey. Most of the video games were non-operational, but they did have a bar, which I thought was so weird. Like it's an all-ages venue with a bar and like game rooms and like obviously like tabletop Dungeons and Dragons stuff happening in there and it was just like the weirdest place I mean the night just couldn't have gotten weirder I mean it was it was such a fun show because everybody freaked out and had like an insane time even the owner was like doing the worm as we were playing but um one of the bands actually um 
their guitar player showed up in a cloak and he had a long white wizard like beard and it was so majestic to watch him play in a in a cloak um and then of course the owner of winter's tavern cj what's up cj you might know him he's quite a character uh he jumped on a van outside in the parking lot and decided to dance around and van surf on top of this van not our van mind you but a van while dirty limbs was playing and i thought that was like pretty cool. Um, also stopped by an interesting place in Fresno called Chicken Pie, which I am sad to hear is actually closing down. Um, but it was very much, um, I mean, it's what it looks, it's what it sounds like. It's, it's, it's Chicken Pie Diner. Just Google it. I want to live inside of it and make my home there. What else is going on? Haley and the Crushers are going to the Midwest. I'm actually going to cut this short because this face mask is really tightening on my face and I really want to get to my very, very special guest today. However, if you stick around to the end of the podcast, um, you will hear more information about my tour dates in the Midwest coming up in April and May, as well as some LA dates in May. So I'm sure I'm missing a lot of stuff that's going on um, in my world, but um, I will keep you abreast. I promise not to let leave you hanging that long again. I highly appreciate you, and um, I really want to introduce you to my amazing guest, um, Jeff Tapia, Jeff Tilapia, Jeff Tapioca, total badass. And um, I actually want to tell you right now the story of how we met, but we get into it in the interview, and it's so cute. It's the definition of a meet cute. I mean. It really is. It's like a romantic comedy. Um, So please, without any further ado, enjoy this conversation with my lovely friend, musician, um, and guitar player, Jeff Tapia of the band Rat Queen. Um, And uh, stick around because I'm definitely going to be playing a bunch of awesome songs from Rat Queen's album, Worthless.
right now? I'm just in my apartment. It's very quiet out here in White Center. Can you paint the picture? It's a just a shitty apartment in White Center that we made cute. Um, all of our DVDs and vinyls are displayed everywhere, and it's nice and sunny outside. And there aren't a lot of cars driving around. It's very peaceful here. I like it. That's nice. You said vinyls yeah. with an S at the end. Oh, whoops. Is that your final answer? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's, a, there's a record store guy in town who gets really mad when people come in and say vinyls. And so we, <laughs> we purposely say vinyls. Like, I always say vinyls just to yeah. piss them off. I just think it's cute, and it worked its way into my vocabulary. <laughs> well, I have a lot of questions for you, Jeff. I have a cool. lot of questions. Um we are going to get into those questions, but I have to say I was just um, listening to Rat Queen as I was um, brushing my teeth this late in the day. Don't ask <laughs> why. And um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit just about two songs in particular that I'm just curious about, like where kind of the, the emotion came from, and that would be Worthless and also Anxiety. Sorry oh. to go deep so quick, but I just have this burning. Like, now I just need to know. Oh, um, well, so, I mean, it's not that complicated. They're both pretty straightforward in the title. One of them's about how I feel worthless, <laughs> and the other one's about how much anxiety I get sometimes. Um, but uh, with anxiety in particular, I was just noticing that I'm still thinking about high school all the time and how that affected me as an adult and how it kind of like almost never really ends. It never Those ends. same feelings. Yeah. yeah. Like it's always going to be about who's cool and who's not. And, um, you know, especially in music, like when you're like in a local scene, I love the scene up in Seattle. I don't have very many bad things to say about it up here. Like it's very, tight-knit community in my experience especially compared to LA but there's still going to be that aspect of like cool kids and people who aren't that cool or whatever and how that line is blurred as you get older but it's still something you're always worried about right so that's that's a big part of it um and with the chorus how you know I just say it's always my fault all the time you know like um that's really just referring to like anytime I screw up a social interaction, even if in the moment I feel like I'm not screwing up a social interaction, I'm sure I'm going to get off this call and be like, oh my God, that was bad. Even though I don't feel that right now, you know? So like, it's part of that anxiety that makes it feel like, oh, I ruined the whole conversation. Oh, it's always my fault. Jeff, we're the same person. <laughs> I like to think that I'm the same as a lot of people, and that's that's a cool thing about growing up, I think. Like, that that very everyone cool. has that. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah. my album Jewel Case that came out before Cool Lame is all about high school. Every single song is pretty much about high school. Yeah. And it really yeah. does feel like you're going through my lyric, like my um, diary or something. <laughs> and I, I wrote it when I was like 20 seven or 28, which is so funny, but th they always say like, you look back ten and you can't really see clearly until you're 10 years away or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know if people really say that, but I, I think after like five to 10 years, you look back and you're like, Oh, whoa. Or 15 years even. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, this is still affecting me. Like this, um, sense of like, you know, not being enough or being not cool. I mean, for God's sakes, 
I'm writing songs about being cool still as well. So like, I think I'm attracted to that in you. When I first met you, and I want to get into this, like, we're going to just go on a really roundabout tangent here, but I think the listeners will find this interesting. Like when I first met you, I was instantly like, I think I like this person and I feel like I relate to this person. Uh, You seemed very genuine, down to earth, not trying to like front, not trying to be cool. And um, we were at Central Saloon because your band um, Razor Clam was going to play with us and Slow Milk and Bear Axe, like shout out. Hell yeah to all those (laughs) fans. So many great bands. That was such a good lineup. It was such a good lineup. Thank you, Ernie. (laughs) Thank you, Ernie. We love you. Um, But but, uh, this is so funny. Like, I feel like you were a superhero that like swooped in and saved my ass that night because when we travel with no gear, so we never have like amps and shit. We never do. We just bring guitars and cymbals and our pedals. And that's just what we do. So we didn't have an amp. And, um, for all the listeners out there, Jeff basically swooped in and was like, Hey, um, cause we were supposed to borrow someone else's amp that didn't end up working out. That band had to leave. It's not that interesting, but Jeff was <laughs> like, Oh, Hey, I know exactly what to do. And you, and you can take over the story from here if you want. Cause you took over your bandmates car, which I don't know if you want to reveal on this. Podcast. Oh yeah. No, I told her, she was like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Like I, uh, uh for razor clam is just like, she just trusts me so like too much. So can you? Oh yeah. So can you I, I did tell her later. She's like, oh yeah, that's fine. Uh, but uh, I did end up taking the lead singer's car and just taking you with me to my rehearsal space, and then we just moved up my amp and then drove back. And we did a lot of bonding on that little we journey. Did. And can I just yeah. say this is in the middle of the show, and we were about to go on, and yeah. Jeff like was driving <laughs> like a bat out of hell. Like a badass, like you rule the streets, not not even in your own car. And then I remember going down this little staircase and being like, oh, fuck, where are we? Like, yeah, we went underground (laughs) at Crybaby Studios. Yeah. Which those steps suck, but. And then grabbing that amp and just like, just booking it up those stairs. And then I, I I feel like we, you parked, I jumped out Mm -hmm. and I feel like I literally like ran onto the stage and that's how it worked. Yeah, we just threw it up there, and then you were playing. Yeah, fucking Jeff. It worked out. It worked out. That was that was cool. I felt like a hero that night. That was very cool. <laughs> like, who does that? Like, I mean, I just instantly knew you were um, of a certain cloth. So, <laughs> applause, applause, applause. Oh, uh, Yeah. So tell me. Let's go back because now I have questions just about your life. Like, where are you from, and when did you start making music? Um, well, I'm from Culver City, which is a little small city that's surrounded on all sides by LA. Yeah. Um, so we're the heart of Screenland. Yeah. So like everything is filmed there. Arrested Development is filmed there. Super Bad was filmed there. Scenes from Terminator Three. Um, and those are the only ones that I can think of. But like a your, lot of stuff. your references um, are top notch. <laughs> Thank you. Terminator Three, the second best Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't know. You can at me about that. I'm not sure about that. But um, but what's it called? I'm from Culver City, which is basically LA. Um, and I started doing music when I was. I always sang. I sang my whole life, but I started playing guitar when I was 15. Um, and I started a band called Mocking Audrey, and that was my first band, because that was, like, my, that's my old name, Audrey. 
Ooh, so, ooh, juicy. Uh, so, yeah. So, Mocking Audrey, what kind of music was this? I am almost assuming it's sort of like a poppy, punky, angsty. Uh-uh, I wish. It was so saccharine and very, like, adult contemporary. I was listening to a lot of, like... <laughs> Matchbox 20 and stuff back then. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, my life has changed a lot since then. But, um, but but I just didn't know what music was. Like, I didn't have, like, you know, I wasn't cool enough to have any cool friends that would show me cool music. So I didn't, like, really discover music until I was, like, 19 or 20. Um, so I was just trying to play, play stuff that was on the radio at that time. So that was, like, 2000 one or something when I like was making the height of my high school music career. So I really loved the Goo Goo Dolls and Bare Naked Ladies and Anita Franco. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you, sing whole, can you sing that whole Bare Naked Ladies song? The one that's all crazy? One week? No, I cannot. <laughs> can you sing part of it? Do you know like any of, I bet you know more than I do. I'm not doing it. I know what you're trying to do. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you're smarter than you look. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> okay. So, so what who gave you the guitar then? How did that happen? My older brother. What was he, he was cool. To? I don't know why he didn't show me any cool music. He was cool. He used to hang out with suicidal tendencies. Whoa. Yeah. Venice but, Beach, um, right? What was that? Weren't they from Venice Beach? Yeah, yeah. My brother was around Venice all the time. That's fun. Yeah, so that was cool, but, like, he didn't tell me any cool things. He just drove me around while he did illegal things. Wow. Was Um, he, like, in the gang? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Okay, so... You were deprived by your cool brother, and you were, like, Mm -hmm. listening to, like, I don't know cake or Beck or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I was too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the cardigans. Um, and then you started playing music. And so how did that, like, how did your songwriting kind of style start? Did it, I, I feel like you're very memoirist in a lot of your lyrics with Rat Queen and you're yeah. really like, are, have you always been that way? I guess all of my best stuff is that way. Um, so I think that I just discovered that I was, I, you know, I was kind of good at writing those kinds of songs. So um, even when I was like doing folk rock, like this is just an iteration of the same kind of music I've always been writing. It's just going to be a lot louder now. So, um, so yeah, I guess. I'm sorry. What was the question? I'm like going on this tangent I'm now. I'm changing the question. Is there a central? Well, is there a central struggle that you felt like, or like a central theme that you've kind of always been dancing around? Like even when you were younger, when you were writing songs, or do you feel like you're you've become more introspective over the years? Because for me, I was always really introspective, but um, now I like to have a lot more fun, and a lot of my songs are more fun than they, I think they were when yeah, I was fifteen. And totally, I was, yeah, I totally relate to that because it's kind of the same journey for me. A lot of my songs back in the day, like in my early career, were just about how uh, no one's ever going to love me because you know, like inherent, you know, I'm I'm a I'm fat, you know, I'm plus size. So like I grew up this way and um, that was always the central theme in a lot of my earlier stuff. Um, You know, when I was less compassionate, you know, when I had less experience, 
but now it's it's still centralized around a loneliness theme. Um, I don't feel that so much. The older I get, especially when I'm playing music and I'm like really hearing what people are about, I feel like we're all kind of the same. So I don't feel as lonely as I used to. But um, the idea that, you know, I have that song, Nobody Likes Me. Yeah. Um, and, and that song is uh, my oldest song. I wrote that like 10 years ago. So, um, and this is the first time it's been on an album. And it's it's kind of like it's come full circle, you know? I wrote that 10 years ago, and here I am relating to it all over again, doing it 10 years later. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Is I think your- that's just the theme. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had like a mental health journey or like fat person journey or, or something like that that you've kind of been through and that kind of coincides with changing your name to Jeff or are these totally unrelated? Because I, lo- I want to know what the, the changing of the name because I think I asked you during the show and you were like, yeah, I just wanted to change my name to Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't really have that big of an answer for you the first time. Actually, I think what we had discussed about Jeff was that I didn't want people making assumptions about me. Mm. Um, because when you're a fat girl playing music, um, you know, in the early 2000s in Los Angeles, of all places, um, which is a really harsh town for somebody like me. It's really, really rough out there. Um it's very distorted. I can't tell who actually likes me. Uh, you know, everyone, I don't want to say everyone's kind of fake because that's such a typical thing to say. No, um, I, I know. But I was in LA like 2003 is when I started my first band in Redondo beach and it's not mm-hmm. LA, but we went to shows in Hollywood and Lennox and Southgate and all sorts. We played backyard shows and like it, it is mm-hmm. harsh. You have to have a tough exterior to really hang with those people. And there is a sense of like, um, there is like a very hard bridge to the cool people. It's rough. They're all so close yet so far away. And yeah. um, part of it is going to be the way you look. And if they don't feel like you have a look that's going to go anywhere, i.e. being super hot, you know, like model hot. Um, or super you know, tough. They're, or super, what was that? Or super tough, I think. Like, for me, like, I shaved my head and just started wearing combat boots, and I was like, I'll be the tough one. Even though yeah. like, you know me now, it's ridiculous. But I was like, I'll just be tough and cool and, like, listen to really tough music and punk as hell and, like, drink vodka out of a water bottle during gym class. You know, I thought... See, I, was, I, can, I can definitely see that for the, for the, you know, for the punk scene, which I was not really a part of okay. at that point. I was doing... Um, like prog inflected pop rock, right? You know? right, right so right. like Sorry, it was. Forget that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. Um, I just think for me, it was more like, uh, and I can see that having to have like a really fierce look to make yourself stand out. Yeah. Um, you know, because I wish I had thought of that. That's so smart because I feel like if I had just played into the person I am, maybe I would have done a lot better in Los Angeles. Yeah. But because there's so much pressure to sort of like fit into this one image you know I was like straightening my hair and wearing tight dresses and like I looked very kind of like conservative like professional type look oh, dear. um and you know it was just it it just left me very scarred you know it was just bleeding was the best thing that I could do for myself because up here in Seattle 
it's kind of like more of a the more unique you are the better I feel like oh I can't even imagine you I can't imagine you with like highlights and straightened hair and yeah it was very different what an interesting story because I'm I'm coming into your life at such a different point and I think a lot of people who discover you through your music would never imagine that you were hiding for so many years or like you know in a shell so yeah people yeah. people assume that my life was much more interesting than it is because <laughs> of but it was just so I just was working so hard at fitting in in LA that I just kind of like a lot of my 20s are just like blank like I don't even remember a lot of it because it was just so uneventful in so many ways that's interesting because a lot of your songs, I feel like there is that center and like belonging and like where do I belong and who am I and like I love that. I think that's I think we all have that inside of us, some more than others. But the fact mm-hmm. that you're being vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough to just make that a really like a battle cry um, mm-hmm. is awesome. So when when did you move from Culver City to Seattle? Was that like a straight shot or did you have some journey between then and Seattle? No, I waited until I was 29 to finally, like, leave the town that I grew up in. Um, and that's, like, that place has its own school district, so you it does have a small-town vibe in as much as you are with the same people your whole life, you know? Like, yeah. you're, it's only, it's one school district, so you're going to school with the same kids, like, your yeah. entire life. Um, so it's the same families and everything. So it is, even though it's in the middle of L.A., there's a small-town vibe to it. Um, and I, you know, bounced around LA a little bit. I lived in Koreatown, which was an awesome place to live. Um, and that move was like the first time I was like, wait, I could probably just do this on a bigger scale. Like I never thought that I could just leave, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Was 29 like a big thing for you too? Like I imagine that was like, okay, well I gotta like do some shit. Cause for me, like my thirties were, I mean, a lot of people feel the same way. Like from 20 to 30, you're like, okay, let's like expand this. Let's actually give it a shot and take some risks, you know? Yeah. I I just saw my thirties in the future and I was like, 30 is still young enough to like do something cool and like (laughs) change my life. And, um, I just finally recognized that I wasn't growing there, you know, and I wasn't even doing music really uh, you know, my band was just very like inactive at that point. So I just kind of just finally like realized that I could like move. So, so that was like four years ago, I think. And right? that, is that when you changed your name? Uh, it was like a year after I moved up here. That first year was just like insane. Cause that was the first time I was away from everyone I knew. So nobody could put me in a box, you know, like, you know, in LA, if I tried to change my like image or anything, people would be like, "What's that about? <laughs> Why are you suddenly a different person?" But up here, nobody knows anything about who I was. So, yeah. Like, yeah. So it was an insane time, but it took me like a year to realize that. You know, for instance, like, you know, I I identify with you know they them pronouns just because once again, like, I just don't want anyone making any assumptions about me. Why? Why do you so, want people to uh, not make assumptions about you? I find this fascinating. Because you've said it, I, I think you said this like five times. And every time what you say that? it, you've said that you don't want people making assumptions about you like five times. And I, I love it. And I want to know like, <laughs> what, like at the heart of that, is it like a sense of like, you don't know me. 
that, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, I think that's part of it. I don't want, like, you don't know me. Like, don't. <laughs> but but let's dig deeper into that. Is this like a sense, is this like a feminist, like, uh, I think it's stance? a feminism thing. And, and um, I, I do. And the thing is that, like I said, like, I was so stagnant for so long that I'm still kind of in this like adolescence part two where I'm still kind of getting to know who I am. Um, and I, I, you know, that probably doesn't ever end, but like, you know, I'm still, that's one of the things that I'm still kind of figuring out why it bothers me so much. Um, you know, when somebody saw some, you know, a fat girl named Audrey doing, you know, so, like if they if they heard that I was a musician and they see me being a fat girl named Audrey, they want to assume that I'm playing an acoustic guitar, you know, and doing like singer songwriter stuff. Which I, you know, that's fine if you do that, but that's not what I do, and I don't want people assuming the kind of stuff that I do and like building this impression of me. And and people are gonna do that no matter what, you know, especially with something like they them pronouns are gonna, you know make a bunch of assumptions about me, but I'd rather them be more quizzical because part of what annoyed me was that not only would they assume that, but they were right. And I didn't like that. Yes. There we go. (laughs) I love this idea because you're really putting into words something that I think a lot of female or, um, non-binary or you know just not male white dudes artists. Yeah. um, Basically. Because for me, I, I, I put a swimsuit on and I get up on stage and, and I, I almost never really knew why I wanted to do that. But now that you're vocalizing it, I think part of it is like, you're going to objectify me anyways. You're going to dismiss me anyways. You're going to like kind of discount what I'm doing anyways. Why not have a fucking party? Like why not be weird and wacky and have fun while I'm blowing your mind? And that's exactly, exactly it. and that's that's what's great about Razor Clan. That's like a big message with Razor Clan as well. We want like this big look so that people can, you know, eat their words when they're trying to tell us, you know, what to do with our bodies. It's like, mm. no. <laughs> yeah, can you explain for the listeners a little bit about um, Razor Clan's kind of aesthetic um, and sound because it's very unique. It's very different than Rat Queen, which I would say we're still working on what the. Um, the description of Rat Queen is. Yeah, I definitely, so I took your advice and I'm thinking that I'm sticking with Poser Punk. We used that one, so we really liked it. Mm, I like that. Um, so I think that we're going to do Poser Punk for, for part of our genre. Perfect. Um, so thank you for that. Um, that was very helpful. Um, but with Razor Clan, it is hard to say what we are. Um, I don't, I can never really place the genre. Lately, we've been going with disco goth. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But we definitely kind of have like a sort of new wave. The vocals sort of sound like Susie and the Banshees a little bit. Um, I think, you know, there's kind of like this like 80s goth vibe to it. Yeah. But. And the outfits. Can we talk about the outfits, please? It's definitely glam. Um, Yeah, we just kind of go as... If we think we're going over the top, we try to go higher. And we still haven't reached that holy grail of being truly, like, insane, I think. Well, Aya probably has. Aya, the lead singer, is the most creative person I know when it comes to, like, outfits and stuff. She, like, at her last show, she had, like... She had taken um, her dog's unicorn costume and, like 
took the horn and made it into like this panty that like came out of her like you know fucking vagina area so like she had like this unicorn dick coming out (laughs) and like she took like the tail that had like the mane rather that was like made of like multicolored fibers and made like little like pasties over her titties like that like puffed out like fur it was weird it was so cool I love it do you feel like this is like indicative of like the Seattle scene because I've only been up there a couple times touring and sure I've seen a lot of wacky stuff but is it just the outliers in the fringe or do you think like most of the kind of alternative or punk independent scene is this wild or is it just the people I end up running into (laughs) I think that you do end up running into some particularly wild people um but I think you probably just attract that because you look crazy too um (laughs) but um but I don't know I think that it's very diverse though because I go to a lot of the just like pop punk shows and everyone there looks the same like all the bands look the same including Rat Queen like we're all just kind of like grungy you know, like, punks, and, like, so, so, you know, punk is gonna kind of, everyone has its own, everywhere has its own spin, but punk is gonna kind of be the same everywhere, but there are, like, these glammy fringe people, like, Dirty Dirty are our friends, and they're, like, really weird-looking, um, shout out to them. Yeah, they're great. You should check them out. They're on tour right now, actually. Oh, I will. I will check them out. I'm getting a little, um, noise there. Are you touching something? Oh, I just scratched my ear and I'm wearing headphones. I'm sorry about that. You scratching your ear is going to be the thing that you're going to be at night. Like, why did I ruin the whole interview by scratching my ear? (laughs) Fork and heck, why? Um, Oh, that brings me to a question. It's so funny that you mentioned that. I mean, I know a lot of people have that issue. I never think of myself as someone who has anxiety, but I've, and, and I've been medicated for anxiety. And yet, <laughs> and yet I just think, no, I'm just wrong and bad. And everything I do is like slightly off and all my social interactions are wrong. And like, like you just internalize it and just think that's what life is. And I wonder if you've like had sort of a mental health, like adventure, if you, not that you need to disclose your mental status, but do you feel like you, like recognize that you have a like a pathology like you have a problem with your brain or are you just like oh this is just how life is um I think that I definitely till recently have been thinking like oh maybe I should go like see somebody oh that's where you are so you haven't really done much therapy or anything I have not um I just and I just I just feel you know I mean, I guess I'm just assuming it's anxiety, but I'm pretty sure it's anxiety if I feel anxious all the time. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, it's something that I've just had for so long that when, you know, up until recently, I just thought like, you know, I'm just weak and I can't deal with normal things very well. Right. You know, like, um, or, or, you know, I'm also very adaptable as a person. Um, so like, I think that I just like thought that that's what, how things were, you know, for a lot of that time. But, um, that's kind of what I mean. Like, like I still to this day, like I've been to therapy, I've been medicated for depression and anxiety many years ago when I was younger. And, Mm -hmm. um, I still 
catch myself forgetting that my brain is playing tricks on me. Like maybe the world isn't falling apart and maybe this catastrophe is fake and I'm just thinking that it's going to happen, you know? And and I think music, I don't know if you relate to this, but for me, it's like going and practicing and getting out, using my body in a physical way and sweating and playing hard and putting my words to music is like a sense of therapy. It's like, it's a, it's a release and um, afterwards, I always feel a little bit better. So maybe that's why I keep doing it. Maybe that's why I'll never stop doing it because I'm crazy and I'm like scared of what I'm going to do if I don't like make shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, I wish that I were like that because that's so productive. I, I think that unfortunately. <laughs> you wish you were like that, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know what my, like lately, because this is the first like year in recent memory that I feel like I'm doing well. I'm pretty well grounded, you know, like I know what's going on with me I know when I'm being irrational you know I've been able to just talk myself down very recently take a deep breath and be like you know we don't have to eat at the same time like if I'm hungry I can eat now and then you know like when when my boyfriend gets home and stuff like like that's just one example of like you know like I have a certain way I think things should be and sometimes deviating from that sort of thing can cause me great anxiety just as a side note Um, but, um, I think that, you know, I've gotten so much better at catching these patterns and telling myself, oh, like this isn't real, you know, like I'm just getting better at, you know, picking what is actually worth freaking out about. Right. Um, It's like picking battles, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, you know, just sort of accepting that things aren't going to go the way I think they are and that's not going to be bad, you know? Um, cause that's just one major thing for me that freaks me out. But anyway, I wish I were so productive that like I could just go do music, but actually when I get like that, it's kind of harder for me to do music and be productive. I become very unmotivated when I'm having like, mm. you know, uh, trouble, you know, depressive trouble. Um, so it's, and that causes me anxiety. So I have anxiety about not, not completing a project and that, but then I'm like, I can't fix it. And then I feel worthless and then it like spirals, but yeah. like I'm catching that sort of thing. What you much might, better. Like what was that? What you're saying is so completely, like I totally get it <laughs> completely. Yeah. Um, I haven't always been as productive as I am now. In fact, there were like mm-hmm. many years I did no music, no writing. And then there were years I did zines and albums and all sorts of shit and tours and like there's been back and forth one thing I will say like I'm not a doctor obviously (laughs) and neither is Dr. Kane but um (laughs) you know what I realized recently that kind of freaked me out was I was like okay like that cycle you just said I totally get I go there for sure yeah but I started realizing that part of my depression was from not doing stuff So like it was making it worse. So if I just forced myself even to like sit down and like work on a song, even though I was like really unmotivated um, and feeling shitty and negative about it, it was almost like that was enough to kind of get me a little bit out of it. Cause I just thought like, well, I'm depressed. I don't want to do anything. I'm not motivated. And then I wouldn't do anything. And then I started like little by little, like trying to break that by like, okay, I'll do this. I'll do 500 words on this writing project or right. right, Just like those little things. And it was enough to kind of like peek you out of there. I get like that when I like do my dishes. 
Ah. You know, or something like that. Like, I get that sense of, I think that I'm scared of, you know, like writing something bad or something. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's like, I'm I'm afraid of trying and failing, you know? And so I'm like, I'll just wash my dishes and that'll give me that hit of productivity that I need to feel (laughs) like I'm under, feeling under control, you know? Well, your new Um, album is awesome. Um, what was that? Well, the, your new album is amazing. Oh, thank you. When I'm really happy with it. When did Worthless come out? Um, it came out oh, a while ago. Like, shoot, probably, I want to say, when did it come out? <laughs> when did that freaking album come out? I don't know, like a few months ago, like three months ago. It was last year, though. Okay, because yeah, it's, like it's still new. Year. Um, yeah. Everybody should go out and listen to it. Um, are there a couple songs on there you want to talk about? You were mentioning, um, was it the Max Fisher song that you? Yeah. Really, that uh, I what? That's the one that you mentioned wanting to play, and I'm definitely going to play it. Um, like, are there certain songs that you feel like there's a particular message behind, or something like that is very um that you really want to get out and like talk about because I feel like we are talking a lot about like anxiety and like mental Mm -hmm. illness and like I don't see you as a very political band necessarily but there's obviously a lot of emotion and intention and like passion behind everything you're singing so I don't want to like cross over any other like kind of topics that are like sprinkled in there you know like I love um what's the song about the going to the party and you get drunk and you don't get laid and you, Oh, I lost my ID. Oh, I think I lost my ID. Yeah. <laughs> like there's lots of fun stuff you're doing as well. It's like, <laughs> you're not, a, you're not navel gazing. You're more like, I don't know, like a, like a rat. You're like rolling around in the filth of it and like, kind of like <laughs> reveling in it a little bit. And there are other kind of topics that you're like, going into so I just want to leave that open yeah I mean either the songs are about feeling insecure and anxious or they're about like going too hard or you know or just partying like there's drugs which is literally we wrote that song in about as long as the song is (laughs) I was just Um, listening to that yeah it's really dumb but people really like it and (laughs) so we put it on the album I think most of the time we're like tired of playing it honestly but yeah um but I think I lost my ID is fun because at the core of it, you know, it is about how I can't get, you know, at that point when I wrote that song, I couldn't gather any control over my life, you know? Um, so that's really what it is at its core. So it is still kind of about the same thing, but mostly it's about just partying too hard and like not getting laid ever. I love it. Um, I love, I know this is like a really vague, like a subtle part of the song, but I love when you say like, I know the party wasn't going to be worth it anyways. Yeah. Cause don't we all, it's almost like that last beer. Is it really worth yeah. it? Is that party yeah. the next party is, worth it? Wait, is like, it really going to fill the hole? <laughs> Yeah, like, seriously, towards the end of every party, like, recently, just, just you know, I, I've calmed, I've mellowed out a lot.
might get laid started writing this album I was kind of like at the height of my like Seattle like party time mm-hmm. um because I was just partying a lot when I came up here because I was just like I'm free Wah! um so, I'm Jeff like, yeah exactly I'm Jeff now fuck everyone um can I curse can I say swears I don't know if I, the think net- I don't know if the network will like it JK oh okay <laughs> I've been um, I've been swearing this whole time <laughs> tell me Tell me well, about your bandmates. Oh, so the, I started the band with my best friend and confidant, Daniel Timothy DeRozier, um, whom we've been saying that he's dead because we think it's funny um, because he moved away, moved to L.A. to try to... He's, he's a really good comedy writer, so he wants to eventually be doing that. So he moved to L.A., which makes sense. But he's dead to me now. Um <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, buddy. Um, but, you know, I wrote a song about him. It's like on our first EP, and it's just called DTD for Daniel Timothy DeRozier. Um, and we just have a really great writing partnership. Um, I'm most prolific when I'm working with him. So um, it was really sad when he moved away. But we, we started the band like a year and a half ago now. Um, but he had to move like a year. And he plays you know, music. Does it. he play drums? He was a drummer, yeah. And we had worked with several different bases. We couldn't really secure a basis for a while, so we were just working with my friend Johnny Unicorn, who was my old roommate at the time. Um, you should check out his music. It's just he's he would hate it if he heard me say this, but I think he might actually be a genius. Um, and then uh, my friend Evan Captain and my friend Jason Shao. Um, and, uh, so they were all just kind of alternating, but then we ended up having Evan join the band and he was down to join us. So now it's, so it was Daniel, me and Evan for the longest time. And then Daniel moved away. And then the drummer from this really cool band, Mangy joined us and, uh, his name is Michael Waugh. And now he's our drummer. Awesome. And I still, and I still write with Daniel. That's great. I, mean, <laughs> so I Daniel love, and I send each other stuff and we just write. I really love the energy of like the kind of masculine energy mixed with a female fronted or I don't know, you don't identify as necessarily female. Mm-hmm. Them, but um, and you have a lot of masculine energy too. But I love playing with boys. I think it's really mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> I wonder. It's fun. Yeah, I feel like a lot of like um, the backbone of what Rat Queen is is like this sort of like fun but powerful like really driving energy like really like um driving kind of beat and um i think that's part of the i think it's part of the charm but um if you could like add more instruments to the band would you because i almost feel like you wouldn't need to with you have like this power trio thing going on like for me i I would love to have a keyboard player i'd love to have a go-go dancer like i have all these like wish list things I mean, right. do you feel that way? Or are you kind of like, no, this is I, good? 
I totally get that that um, impulse to like want more people in your band, but I think that because of, because at one point when I was in LA, my my band directors of photography was a really big band, and um, and at one point we had a horn section, and it was so many people, it was just so many people to deal with and to try to rein in onto the same schedule and everything. So that kind of started my. Um, longing to be in a smaller project and I kind of just started chipping it away away at it until like eventually I just I think I've settled on just wanting to be a three-piece I might do a four-piece if there's anything that I want it's a second guitar I think mm, yeah um I'm just curious. because it would be cool to have some lead lines with something underneath it just supporting it yeah. you know instead of just a bass which is super fun and a really great sound but I haven't really been enjoying you know, just trying to sound full and really playing with dynamic. And that's what I like about working with a three piece. Also there, there can be a lot of singing and, and it doesn't get drowned out. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know this is like so cheesy, but every time I like listen to old green day songs, I'm always just like, that's three dudes, man. So that's some of my favorite stuff. And I think I lost my ID in that song. There's uh, one harmony in there that we call the Green Day Harmony. And uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you go back and listen to it. But um, how did that song go? Uh, Running in circles, look to be lonely. Something's got a hold of my brain. And like I do that, and then the the harmony is, hold up my brain. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sounds so tight. And that's that's our Green Day army. It's literally like taken from Green Day. And um yeah, and I love that sound. I like that you can do so much and it kind of just feeds into my whole singer songwriter vibe because it's minimal and uh it's very melody driven and that's kind of what we want to go for. I love it. I love a melodic pop punk song. I yeah. am just a sucker for that. It is just wired into me. As yeah, artist. I just want people to sing with me, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I'm, I'm, I am picking up what you're putting down. All right, <laughs> let's take a quick break so I can go to the bathroom. Yeah, me too. I have to pee. Okay, be right back.
Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't weird at all. Um, So I have a couple just questions about Seattle in general too. Like, first of all, um, are there any challenges or any, like if you were going to talk, like kind of talk to an alien who's never been to like the Seattle kind of scene or somebody who like, I mean, basically who you were before you moved, um, what are some of like the most interesting or unique or like funny things about the scene or things to know, or are there challenges that you've kind of faced to kind of get your foot in the door at venues or have you found it to be pretty welcoming in, in general? Well, it's interesting because I haven't really had any problems booking shows. Um, so that's one cool thing about, uh, working up here as a musician is people have been pretty, you know, maybe it's just that it's because it's a new hot thing, but people have been wanting, you know, queer women of color doing their shows, uh, which, you know, I am, I am most of those things. So, um, so I haven't really had problems booking shows. And if I had told myself that back in Culver city, just back in time style, like I would have been surprised to hear that. Uh, in LA, you know, a lot of times you have to pay a place to play, which is absurd. Um, and, uh, up here, I've never had to do that. I've never had to, you know, I always get paid. Maybe it's not a lot, but we do always get paid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's just something that I think I would have found surprising when I was younger, when I was back at home. Um, but, you know, I think that we're in a really progressive city, compared to a lot of places, definitely more progressive than Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that, that's one big thing is that I've, you know, I haven't really, I, maybe it's just me, maybe other people have trouble booking, but I've never had a problem booking anywhere. People come to me and it's really great. And I've been very lucky. Um, and it's also been pretty welcoming. Like all, you know, musicians go to other people's shows, you know, they don't just stay home stay home, you know, they do go to other shows and it's pretty cool to, you know, feel a supportive community like that. So I've had a really great experience with the Seattle music community. I know a lot of people badmouth it, but I think that once you've been at a place long enough, maybe it's just that I'm super new still, I've only been here for like four years, but um, everyone's been pretty welcoming and I really enjoy it up here. And you have a show tonight and do you have any show rituals? Do you still get nervous? I'm nervous about today because Razor Clan was doing a show at Numos, and that's kind of a like a bigger venue. Um, I don't know what I would compare it to, but it, it's a bigger venue. It's like you know, you know, more mainstream type acts play there. So you know, the Buzzcocks played on that stage a couple years ago. I'm like, um, so I'm a little nervous about that, but only because. It's new and different. If it were a normal show, I don't think I'd be nervous. Um, but my ritual is to relax as much as I possibly can. If I can take the day off of work, I will. Um, and, you know, just kind of warm up my voice throughout the day. And just treat myself really well and then put on, like, some, like, pop music that's, like, super, like, bad bitch empowering type stuff and, like, get dressed and just... <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating myself. I don't do any of those things. I'm just like... I like to do that. I'm not saying that I get to every time, but uh, if I had to pick a ritual, I think that's what I would say is my ritual. Sometimes I'm just getting off of work and then 
wiping my pits down and jumping on stage, you know, like wiping your pits down. You know, like just to feel fresher. Yeah. Like take a wet paper towel and wipe your pits. So I just started <laughs> using natural deodorant for the first time. And Oh, it's great. It's I made great. my own. You do? Yeah. So it's, it's just cornstarch and shea butter and some baking soda. All right. Well, I'm going to need some of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I feel like natural deodorant is great until you've been in the van for like four days and you've been sleeping in a van for four days and you realize you need the industrial cancer, horrible <laughs> aluminum. Like I was like, oh man, I am way too hippie-ish to, to make this work. So... But I would like to I try feel like, I feel like when you're on tour, those rules that you have for yourself, like natural deodorants and like fancy soaps and stuff, like all of that shit goes out the window. For yeah. Me. Like suddenly, suddenly Denny's is the best. And like, you know, I'm just using like whatever I can find at Walmart. Totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have, um, we have a bingo scorecard that we do for Haley and the Crushers every like, like if we do a couple days on the road or a longer tour, I'll make a bingo card. So like our last couple shows were in the California Valley. So it was like uh, a juggalo, um, a cow, <laughs> a cow laying down. And then there's always the, um, there's the trifecta, which is burrito, pizza, burger. Cause you know, that all has to happen or just happens. Even though you're trying yeah. to like eat an acai bowl or like get that salad at Wendy's. Like you're, yeah. still, <laughs> like, you're trying, but you're not going to make it. Cause like that, the healthy food is so subpar that you're like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to get this all meat, crazy ass pizza. Well, I'm not going to pay like a bunch of money, like too much money for an iceberg lettuce salad. Yeah. What are you, you know? money? <laughs> Jesus. Huh? I, what are what are you a bunny rabbit? Like it's just no, it, I am not. Yeah, because I feel uh, like Haley, I am not a bunny rabbit. <laughs> well, I feel like some of those salads are just like you would feed that to a rabbit and they'd be starving. Yeah, exactly. But like a human being, like that needs calories and like I need like <laughs> fats and proteins and I need nuts and seeds. Like I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> um. Tell me, tell I love us. nuts and seeds. I need nuts and seeds. Um, Two-part <laughs> question. So first, where can people find out about your amazing um, tour dates that are very, um, what's the word, abundant? You have an, an abundance of tour dates and, and local shows and stuff. So that's my first question. Yeah. Um, well, locally here in Seattle, we're playing a lot in the next month. We accidentally, like, just booked ourselves too much. So, like, um, I actually am really good about posting everything on Instagram. So our, our Instagram has, like, all of our uh, Seattle dates on it. So far, we have just finalized what dates we're going to be going on tour. So uh, we don't have actual shows booked for those, but we have dates um, and I really want to play with you. We're, we want to stop in San Luis Obispo and play a show. Hint, hint. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, so I'll uh, we'll let slow. you know about the date that will be there. But as soon as as soon as we have those tour dates, I'm announcing that on Instagram too. So Instagram is one of the easiest places to keep track of us. We're all hail Rat Queen on Instagram. Perfect. Um, and then I also post everything on Facebook, and that's also all hail Rat Queen. And RatQueen.bandcamp.com is where you can find our music. 
Uh, second part of my question is, um, tell me something that we don't know about you and that your fans don't know about you. All of your fans and followers that love you and adore you. Oh my gosh, I, have shrines. I don't know. Imagine <laughs> someone has a shrine to Jeff in their room and they know everything about you. Like, what is something that they like that they wouldn't know? Do we want to get like real deep on this, or like, do we want to like, what what are we looking for here, Haley? Because like, because <laughs> like, I can tell you some deep seated shit from my childhood, or I can no. like tell you like. <laughs> so what are we looking for here, Haley? Is um, I'm trying to replicate the feeling of when you bond with someone really, really quickly and then become best friends because you know weird shit that other people don't know. Which is like maybe not the healthiest, but it's interesting for a <laughs> podcast. It's interesting for a podcast. <laughs> oh man! Oh, okay. The thing is, is that I talk like I love saying weird things about myself on stage. Like, ooh, one time I told the story about how I shot myself. You know, like trying to run home. <laughs> After eating free sushi from a food bank. So, like, I'm just saying, like, I, 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 like, already share so much. I don't know, like, what there is left. So, like, um, I can go really deep and say one time, I've never told anyone this, and I felt really bad about it for a long time. So, I'm going to just say it. Only say but it one, if you think it's healing. If you think it's healing, then you can say it. I think that I'm ready to say it. I'm like, not I exploiting I'm, you. I'm not exploiting you. Okay, go ahead. No, no, you're not. I'm okay. giving you the stamp of approval on this. Okay. I'm well of mind right now. Okay. Um, and it's not even that big of a deal, but I always felt super guilty about it. Like, you know, you have those, like, deep, like, childhood things that you did that, like, still make you feel great shame? Yes. And this isn't this isn't necessarily, like, I wasn't a little kid. I was in high school, but I stole weed from my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds dumb, but she was younger than me, and I wasn't going to rat out on her for smoking weed. I smoked weed when I had been her age, you know, like... Like, she was, like, 13, and that's when I, like, smoked weed for the first time. And I wasn't going to be like, oh, my God, Beeps, how dare you? But, like, I found this little box with, like, this, like, geisha drawn on it. And I opened it, and there was, like, a little bit of weed in there. And I took it, and I closed the box, and I never told her. (laughs) And I never told anyone because I felt so bad about it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I feel like everyone can take, like, a breath of uh, relief now that that's on your chest. Just listen to how, like, dumb that sounded. It, it did sounds- not even sound that big of a deal. So it's, like, good. Just accept it and forgive yourself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what I think of that, my first thought is you're the older sister. Therefore, all weed is, like, under your, like, <laughs> sisterdom. And I'm, like, shocked at what a nice older sister you are. <laughs> the fact that that, like, I, I'm pretty sure the older sibling is supposed to steal your weed. So um, I'm going to ask my sister about that and see if she ever stole any of my weed. That could have happened. Oh, man. I feel super bad about it. Well, I felt super bad about it. I guess it's more silly now. Do you feel better? I said it out loud. Yeah, I said it out loud. And it's like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I just felt like... It was just so, I exploited it so badly because it's like, what's she going to do? Ask everyone? Like, 
if they stole her weed because she hadn't told me she was smoking weed yet. So like, <laughs> is she gonna listen to this and be like, "You bitch"? I don't think she's gonna listen to this. Like, my family is kind of like not tech. Like, they're not gonna listen to podcasts. How good for you. Like, you could just have a whole other world. I mean, you could be... It is. My family doesn't really, like, really know what I get up to. Like... Yeah. Not really. They know I'm a musician, and they think that that means, like, something totally different than what it does. Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. Yeah. It's good, though. I mean, it's sad. It's fine. It's healthy. Sometimes... (laughs) I'm I'm going to say it's healthy and just pretend that that's true. That's called reframing the narrative, and I'm all for it. But can I ask you... If you have this experience, because I sometimes am like, I'll see a band and I'll be shocked to see like my drummer, Ben, he's got like a huge family. And like for one of our shows, his whole entire family came out and it was like eight people, you know, at the show. And I was like, almost like aghast. Like, how does one even, oh my God, like, really? <laughs> like, I'm not like, that's so lame. I'm like, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Or do you ever play a show? And there's like, I want to write a song about this. It's about band dads. Like there's a lot of bands that seem really cool and like, um, kind of, um, self-reliant and self-made. But then you find out mm-hmm. they have a band dad and the band dad basically like booked it, is standing in the audience with their arms crossed, like sort of like, you know, talking to people. Like a manager? Like a dadager. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, is this person actually somebody's dad? Yes. And this has happened to me like a lot, especially in LA. I've never, that's crazy. I've never seen that. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Oh, you know what? I guess you're right. In L.A., that did happen. In L.A., all the time. There's so many band dads. Yeah. I forgot about that. So that's not a thing in Seattle. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't think so. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing it. So I'm not very observant when I go out. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I never really know what's going on. <laughs> Do you... Um, now I'm just asking random questions. Do you um, flyer, take physical flyers and post them everywhere? Because I do. I don't, and I should. And I think that that's like that laziness again. I have a staple gun. You have a staple gun. And I haven't like done that. But like the thing is, is that like, okay, so I spend like a lot of money on Facebook promotion because I feel like I just don't know how effective flyers are. Ooh. Tell me about I, your Facebook promotions. Like, what do you do? Because I do a little like, bit. You what? I do a little Instagram, Facebook ad every once in a while. Are you doing, a, like, a lot? I have been until I booked all these shows. And now I am, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's allowing me to think about what it is that I want to do. I'm making handbills for my next show on the 23rd at Central Saloon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am passing those out to my friends and leaving them around and stuff. But that's more because that's my birthday show and I'm just using those as like birthday invitations. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me. But um, I think that yeah, I can't, like, promote every single show because it just, I, I can't afford it. Like, I don't make any money, you know. But back when I was playing fewer shows, I was just promoting all of them on Facebook. And it costs, you know, it costs some money. Like, you know, I spent, like, for me, $50 is a lot of money. And I spent $50 on the last promotion that I did. Sure, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't do that for every single show. So I'm not really sure. I think that I want to get into flyering, but I don't have a car. Yeah. And like, 
I don't know where to put flyers really. Like, where do you go? Like, Capitol Hill is a very like populated area that a lot of people hang out. Let me blow. And there's always flyers there, so I put those up. Let me blow your mind. This is what I do for literally like a show in the Midwest, a show two hours away, even a local show. Um, We make the flyer, and when I say we. Dr. Kane, my husband, makes the flyer because he's like the best at the art stuff. I mean, I'll sometimes make them, but he normally makes the flyer. Um, Then we send, um, we print out some flyers, which is not that expensive at the UPS store. It's pretty damn cheap. We print them out Mm -hmm. in color and I mail them. So I will mail five to the venue, a couple to the promoter if there is a promoter, and then I'll, uh, I usually do a three or four band bill. I'll email or I'll uh, mail like two or three flyers to each band and I'll just Facebook message, Hey, what's your address? And then one day I'll just do a bunch of mailers and just mail them out. And then it's on them. Cause usually those people kind of know where stuff is supposed to go. Um, locally. I mean, we have a different kind of scenario cause in slow, we don't have a lot of venues and we don't really have a music scene at all to speak of. So it's not so much about postering downtown slow, although I do do that. But in general, it's about making sure that the flyers are going to people that kind of like, have like the the like the person that works at the venue send it to them they'll they're gonna go to the venue anyways they'll put like three of them up you know and then I email every person or I'll say on the an envelope on the back I'll say thanks for putting these up I just assume they're gonna do it I just say thanks for putting it up if you want a digital file here's my email address and if they want to email if they email me I'll send them like a pdf or whatever and like that way it just goes to where it needs to go some people will take care of it. Some people won't. But then at least it's not all on you. Because if you take the effort to make the fire or have someone make it, I feel like they feel obligated a little bit, like, help you more. Like, I'm going to go put these right. two of these out. I'll put one at the record store, one at the coffee shop I work at. And that way it's like you're kind of, like, using their knowledge to kind of, I don't know, take some weight off of your own responsibility for it. Because it's really hard. It's fucking hard and overwhelming. And I agree. Because it's like, you can't just one man yeah. army that. It's not going to work. You can't just what? You can't one man army it. You know, you can't yeah. make the flyer, print the flyer, put the flyer all over the place. Like, it's just, you kind of have to, like, have your little... I kind of Well, there's just literally yeah. not enough hours in the day, you know? Like, I no. can't do all of it. Um, that I'm definitely going to do that for when I go on tour. I'm just going to do one day where I send every city their, yeah. their flyers. Um, that would be cool. And hopefully listeners find that helpful too. I always try to put little nuggets of like just stuff that worked. I feel like you've mentioned some stuff that's really like useful too. And in fact, if you want to, what you were saying about having someone make a flyer, um, that's, that's always worth the money. And I actually, for every show I do spend money on having an artist make a flyer. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky to have so many friends who are willing to, you know, help me out and give me a good rate. Um, and depending on how, you know, how big the show is, like, I'll spend some more money. But that's really where most of my promotion money goes. And I forgot about that, is spending some money on an artist to make a flyer. And then um, because I them. think that when I have an eye-catching flyer, uh, even if it's just me and my bandmates posting it, people, it, it's eye-catching. If people want to look at your flyer, they're going to think that the show is cool, too. Yeah. I think. And I think it's great that you're, um, you're helping other artists in a way because you're like, here's 50 bucks or here's 20 bucks or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. supporting them. Like, I love that. I think that's so awesome. Yeah. I think that that's important, you know, because music and art should always, you know, 
I think work with each other. Um, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I just really believe in that and paying your friends for their work. Yeah. Speaking of exactly what you just said, um, I love the art, uh, the rat queen art on your band camp and on your Facebook. Who did those beautiful line drawings of? Oh my gosh. Uh, Anna did. Anna's in Razor Clamp with me. And Anna um, Von Huben is the artist, and she's Anna Piranha on uh, Instagram, and everyone should definitely check her out. Um, you know, she's brilliant. She's just such a great artist. Um, and I was very happy that she just wanted to do the artwork for us because she likes us. Because <laughs> that That's was amazing. Just, I love Just like, her. you know just so good she's so good and you should check out everything she does she works in a variety of styles but it's always got that honest flair to it um and it's always cute but also grungy and that's kind of like what i feel like rat queen is we're cute but like gross (laughs) that's what it should be cute cute but gross poser punk (laughs) do you have any goals that you want to share Oh man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Razor Clam does so well on their own, you know. Like everyone wants to see Razor Clam, and it's because um, it's such a unique thing. But I and I love Rat Queen, and I, it's my passion, you know. Um, but it's definitely more derivative. I, I guess I want more ways to gain exposure because I feel like Rat Queen really is a super relatable band and I want, you know, I feel like I'm struggling to get seen at all. And I don't know. I mean, I'm doing a lot of shows, but like, I guess the goal is to learn how to, I want to figure out what our aesthetic is almost like that's the next real goal for like becoming rat queen. Cause I feel like we're still kind of incubating and we haven't really hit our like main stride. I think that we hit a stride right now, but I don't know. I feel like we're still figuring ourselves out as a band. So um, there's a life coach out there. There's a life yeah. coach that wants a band. Yeah. If anyone wants coach. to tell me what I look like, <laughs> Or branding, branding slash marketing, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> really? I, I mean, really, I just want to be able to do this for a living. And if that means I have to tour forever, I'll do that. Um, do you but, like touring? Uh, that's, what was that? Do you like touring? I loved it when I did it last year. That was the first one that I did. And it was a really easy peasy tour. This is going to be the first one where we're playing a show every day and like, you know, just hitting it really hard and going down the coast. So I think that I like it and you I like hope it. that it stays that way. Um, cause I, I really enjoyed it when I did it last year. So yeah, this is the funnest time ever, yeah, but also horrible. Is, do you like it? And if, and if you do like it, you know, and that's yeah. the first hurdle. Cause a lot of people don't like touring. That's a huge problem for them or they find ways around it. There's certainly ways around it, but if you know that you like it and you're willing to sleep on, you know, like, like you were saying, 30 is young enough to do crazy shit. Like I always say, like I'm in my thirties and I am willing to sleep on floors, but I may not be willing to do that in 10 years or maybe I will. Yeah. I want to do that now, you know, you know, I just want to do it now before I turn 40. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, which isn't that far away at this point, but, um, (laughs) I think that's a good intention though. I think that's like a really like relatable and easy one. And like, I think people, your community is going to 
kind of like rise up and help you do stuff because you have a lot of talent and a lot of personality. And I think you have your vision is a little wonky because you're like, what do I want? But I think you know what you want. I think you know what you want. You're going to get Do I? What is it? Haley, tell me. (laughs) I think you want to be the fucking prom queen, coolest girl, coolest them on the scene. I think you want to tour. I think you want to be big and be seen. And you have 110% permission to do all that shit. And I think you're going to do it. And I think you're already doing it. So I think you're going to be prom. I think you're going to be a prom rat queen. That's what I want to be, everybody. That's my intention. Slash king. I changed up. I'm I'm changing all of it. I want to be the prom prom royalty. You are prom royalty. (laughs) I want to be the Lady Gaga of um, of like not being that famous. That's what I want to be. Like, I don't want to be, like, big famous. I just want to be, like, peripherally famous. Too bad. You're just going to be, you're going to blow up because you're just going to become ridiculous. Um, that's a great, that's a great segue to our final question, which is how do you sparkle? I always say sparkle is to shine and to elevate and to make positive strides. And I always say destroy is to um, obliterate obstacles in your path. And I wonder how you do both of those things. And if, uh, you want to end this podcast on a Jeffy note. Um, okay, wait. So what does sparkle mean again? So sparkle, I, this is how I think about sparkle and destroy. You can say however you want, but like in my, in my mind, sparkling is like how you shine and be seen and you help others be seen and do good and do what you need to do in the world. And then destroy is like, you know, destroying obstacles, moving forward, like those two things together is like my mission statement for this podcast. You know, I want to elevate and help artists and I also want to, you know, destroy the shit that's in the way, you know, (laughs) kick down some fucking doors. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay. So I think that when it comes to how do I sparkle, I definitely um, have discovered more recently in life that everything that they told you when you were growing up is true. You need to be yourself um, and just be like, you know, the most exaggerated version of that person that you can be. Um, that, that or That's how I feel about, you know, that's how I excel in life is just using my personality and just being myself. And sometimes I take that place to be to an over the top kind of level, but um, it's always to serve me and it's always going to be who I am. And people are always going to know exactly who that is and they're going to respond well to that. And if they don't respond well, they're probably not going to be very helpful to you anyway or nice to you. So who cares? I don't need them in my life. Um, and I know that it's hard to grasp that when you're younger, when you're trying so hard to belong, you know, um, but. I've really wrote, I've really just embraced what being myself actually means in a practical sense. And, um, and everything good that's ever come to me has been from that. So I will say that being yourself is always going to be the main thing. Mm. Um, as wholesome as that is, I always want to be so badass, Haley, but I'm just too like cute. No, you know what you just described is exactly what pro wrestlers do. Pro wrestlers always say, "Be yourself," but times two hundred percent. And it's <laughs> oh my true. god, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's what the that, I can't remember what wrestler said that, but um, Dr. Kane would know. But yeah, that's that's amazing. 
And how, oh, do you, okay. and how do you destroy? How do you like bust through and break down walls? I think you kind of answered that. I mean, you, you named yourself Jeff, so. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's, it's kind of part of the same thing. If someone's trying to actually, you know, rain on my parade or stop me from doing what I'm trying to do um, maliciously, you know, um, I'm going to, you know, not hesitate to stand up for myself. I think that a lot of uh, femmes in the world, you know, like kind of learn how to pick their battles and like decide to just be like, it's not, this isn't worth the fight. Even if someone's being really shitty or really wrong to you, you know, people just, you know, women, women, especially women and femmes, especially, um, you know, they try to just accommodate a situation to get through it so that they, you know, yeah. don't have to deal with a bad situation at all because it's scary. Um, and I, I won't do that anymore. If someone's being unfair to me, I'm going to call them out on it in the moment. And it doesn't even, you know, have to be dramatic, you know. Uh, but I'll, I'll try telling somebody very reasonably, like, hey, you know, you can't interrupt me four times. Like, I'm not done telling you what I'm telling you right now. Yeah. You need to listen to me. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be dramatic until it, until it does have to get dramatic. And if it does have to get dramatic, then get dramatic. You know, I'm not going to let people stifle my voice anymore. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Jeff, thank you so much for being on Sparkle and Destroy. <laughs> I'm so stoked. I'm so happy that you wanted to talk to me. I was like, oh my God, it's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Am I like Mama Roo? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You're mom. You're my mom. All right. Well, you're always welcome here. You're always welcome at mom's house. Hooray! And that was the band Rat Queen from Seattle, fronted by our guest, Jeff Tapia. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. Take it from both of us. Do not, I repeat, do not ever eat sushi from a food bank. You can buy Rat Queen's music on their Bandcamp. I did, and I am very pleased with the quality of their sonic wares. Today, you heard several songs off their album Worthless. In order, the title track, Worthless, I Think I Lost My ID, and Scene Scene. Haley and the Crushers is on tour in the Midwest with my buddy, Dougie Tangent, on the drums. We will be playing eight states in 10 days, April 25th through May 6th, ending in Southern California, May 10th through 12th, and landing in Portland and Seattle the weekend of July 26th, 27th. You can see all our dates and all the info on our Bandcamp or go to HaleyandTheCrushers.com. That's two wise people. And now I will leave you with one last Rat Queen tune, Glory Fades. I'm Max Fisher. Okay, DTYL. See you on Instagram. Bye.
I save Latin. What did you ever do?